1: Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Blue, White and Yellow podcast, a Leeds United podcast. Yes, yet another one of those from uh, from Leeds Live. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's Baron Cross on sort of temporary hosting duties this week. Conor McGilligan is off once again. And uh, Joe Donahue joins me, um, as he did last Saturday at Ellen Road. After uh, a battling draw with Wolves, which we can talk about briefly. Um, but yes, welcome once again to another podcast. And uh, we're going to pick through the week's agenda so far with Leeds. And of course, it's Norwich ahead on Sunday. And uh, we're fresh from Marcelo Bielsa's Friday morning press conference. Joe, how are you? What are your, uh, your main lessons from this
0: week? Um, I mean, work-wise, or, or from from leads-wise, or other <laughs> stuff. Um, I'm quite enjoying the fact that we've we've got a little bit of a triple threat on the on the hosting duties. You've taken the reins today, usually Connor, but I've I've doubled in it on occasion. Um, yeah, I mean, lessons. Uh, it's hard to not think about the um, the the Wolves game, and then the Arsenal, the the cup exit, uh, and then obviously BLC's press conference. I think those are the three main talking points uh, from the past six seven days. Um, lessons learned. Uh, I think we we saw what what Cody Drum has been been capable of um, in in that Arsenal game. Um, I think Gabriel Martin, like a, a proud a proud dad or a proud uncle, sort of well, uh, on and just sort of, oh yeah, I've seen those tackles before. <laughs> as as much as uh, somebody who is not a father uh, could be, yeah, it's, uh, it, it did feel <laughs> did feel a very uh, a, a very prideful moment uh, to see him take to to the field. Um, I think Gabriel Martin only spent a fair amount of time on there uh, on the turf didn't he, he was just tackle after tackle from from Cody uh, there was there was one stray arm in his face as well and Mikel oh, Arteta pathetic, was... wasn't it? It, was, it wasn't it wasn't it was, it was so what a load of rubbish um he was going after the <laughs> apoplectic on the uh, on the sidelines and the replay comes along and you go what on it's earth like has a, he got
1: palms so a very a very tame palm to the throat
0: to the neck yeah it wasn't even to his face but yeah i think uh, that was that was the only. That was the only moment where I think my heart rate was elevated above sort of like ninety beats per minute during that it was game. So apologetic,
1: it was... wasn't he as well? Like you almost fell for him. Like he's he's yeah. he just such a debutant. Like the way he's oh, I'm so sorry. It's fine. Are you okay? Are you okay? I didn't mean anything by it. So he'd sort of he take care of business. There was another one where Martelli went down, and he sort of he do you remember him doing like a three, like he did like a three sixty with the ball.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He, on the edge of his own box to sort of regain possession, make sure the ball was safe <laughs> before then going over and checking over the, the player was okay, but. Yeah, he was all right, wasn't he? I think um, yeah. there was a there was a couple of sort of sloppy passes into him, which weren't his own fault, which sort of, sort of caught him a bit short with, with Martinelli once or twice. But yeah, I mean, there was it was fairly drama free for drama. Eh? Um, oh, very nice. Which, very which I had nice. to That'll include in, well. the, in the in the subheads of the talking points as well at the weekend.
0: Um, but yeah,
1: I think I think as debuts go, I mean, there's there's been a lot worse, hasn't there, um, for, oh, for young yeah. players going into a, an environment like that
0: yeah I mean, he played the 90 minutes. Um, you know, I don't think Martinelli gave him too many too, like you know too much hassle. Um, and and he spoke well after the game as well. you know, I think that was his first interview that he's that he's actually given uh, yeah. was his post match to to the club's official media. and you know he spoke well. he was he was saying, you know, from this point onwards, I just want to keep going, keep pushing, keep showing the manager that that I am ready. um and, and my favorite part of that was where he said, just just keep running, you know the leads way, just just keep running um so you know he's 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 a london boy but he's he's definitely got into the spirit of uh, of of playing for leeds uh, up here so yeah i was pleased pleased with that um obviously ended the game with, he was one of the four teenagers that that leeds ended the game with on the pitch uh i think i mean while it's very good for the 23s it's also you know it's by circumstance as well as by design that those those players ended up finishing that game um because obviously the injuries um i suppose it's it's probably best to get onto that straight away for for Norwich on Sunday you know who's who's going to be available who's not uh, what sort of return dates we we can expect because obviously as you mentioned we've just heard from from Bielsa on that haven't we
1: yeah, so Marcelo's uh, given us his update on the, on Friday morning, um, such over 48 hours before the Norwich game, uh, as is usual. And um, I mean, the big one is Rafinha. We, we did have a steer on Tuesday evening. Um, so sort of partly my fumbled wording of a question uh, made it extra complex for him. But I think in the end, he did suggest that Shackleton, Rafinha, wouldn't be affected by any issues for the Norwich game. And, and thankfully, this morning, he's he said again that he thinks Rafinha is likely to be available, which which of course is um, it, it stops short of saying Rafinha will definitely start, but likely to be available. You know, we know what Bielsa's like; he doesn't he doesn't count his chickens, he doesn't like to overpromise and, and underdeliver. You know, he, he's well aware that anything can happen between now and Sunday in training. So uh, the good news is on Rafinha. Furpo is the other one, which is a, a pleasant surprise. Bielsa had said last week that he felt that. Firpo would miss Wolves and Norwich, uh, Wolves and Arsenal, but would have a chance for Norwich. Um, so it looks like he will come in, and we can maybe get onto the formation in a moment. But I mean, my my initial thought is that Ferpa might not actually start, so we can get into the reasons behind that in a moment. Shackleton is another one who is likely to be available, so he will hopefully continue his run of league starts. Uh, but sadly. Um, Luke Haling and Patrick Bamford remain out, which is becoming a bit more of a talking point now. I think it is starting to sort of drag on to, into the realms of, of concern and worry. I think, again, Bielsa's has never made any promises. He's, he's always said that it's subject to the evolution of the injury and as is, is frustrating and as non-committal as the answer is, it's, it's factual and accurate. And Bielsa is just being very cautious of what he says. I would, I would say, if I'm being brutally honest, he did at one point say that he felt that Bamford should be available around about a month after mm-hmm. when the injury was occurred. And the injury was at Newcastle, which is the 17th of September, unless somebody corrects me. And we're now sort of six weeks beyond that. So that is definitely dragging on a bit. It did, I did ask Bielsa directly, you know, are these injuries problematic? Are they dragging on longer than your medical team expected? And again, he, he effectively said, you know, in, in many more words, but he said that there's basically a big margin forever with these two injuries. You know, there, there was no, Specific date or three day window where they had to be back and were expected to be back. They were given all the time they needed, and they were well aware that they could have either been three week injuries or, you know, as it is now, six week injuries, seven week injuries. You know, that's my um, that's my phrasing rather than his. But he was saying that there is there's a big margin for for these issues, whatever they are. So, becoming a a touch more concerning, it they are they are dragging on now into sort of they're not short term problems. They are becoming medium term issues now, and we are missing them. Uh, and Robin Cock, of course, is the one that I think we're all well aware is is still some way away after after surgery in the States. So well, your initial thoughts, I mean, I suppose Rafinha and Shackleton are not surprises, but welcome. And um, yeah. and Furpo don't think he'll start, do we? I think if, if they're going to play with a back three, it's hard to see him getting in the team, isn't it, based on the way Dallas and Click are sort of established now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think t- in determining whether Furpo starts or not, it's it obviously depend on on how Norwich you know will will set up. Obviously they've probably they've typically gone with a three at the back and then with sort of two two centre forwards or sort of one centre forward and then a soft sort of supporting forward. Um, I think if that's going to be the case, then the likelihood is that Bielsa is going to plan for for a three at the back. Uh, and obviously the options that that he has at centre half, you know, there are no injuries there, so. Um so that's well Oh Robin uh, cock come on well, well exactly I mean it's it's because it's been Don't so be Robin out of a center back slot <laughs> but it's because I've watched the video of him and he was sort of doing his uh his his I'm 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 on the road to recovery guys and he looked oh, he, he was moving very truth. gingerly wasn't he uh, but <laughs> I mean it's uh, to be fair if I'd just had surgery on my pubis bone I think I'd be moving pretty gingerly as well I don't
1: think I'd be moving at all yeah
0: <laughs> I'd, yeah I wouldn't be posting any videos of me in a gym put it that way um but that's not my job um I yeah I mean apart from the injury to to, to Robin uh you know you've got Pascal you've got you've got Urente, you've got Cooper uh to, to go in there um so that gives him gives him options um which just has not been the case for for most of this season um and obviously you know we're talking about Ruffini and Shackleton yeah that's massive you know the uh, it, it's it was expected after what Bielsa said on on Tuesday night but it's it, i mean it would have been a huge disappointment if this morning he not reiterated the point but you know backtracked and said mm, actually we thought that they they wouldn't be impacted, but turns out that they haven't been able to train, or they've picked up a knock, or it's been aggravated. So it's yeah. relieving that they are going to be available because I think the way that Shackleton started the season, the way that Rafinha is, you know, they, they're two players that you just want in in the starting eleven um, for for a big game um, like like Norwich, um, which you know I think we probably weren't envisaging as as a big game eight or nine matches ago, but um, now it's, it's turned out to be. Um, and i think it's 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 fair to say that the reason for that is because two players who who we've just touched on Bamford and hailing they both played 38 games last season or, or 37 or 38 matches in the premier league you know they played almost every minute and yet they've been out for six weeks as as you mentioned you know that's going to throw any team off kilter um so i, I don't want to constantly sort of make make allowances or make you know excuses and and be also said as much in his press conferences but the team has been affected by that so the sooner they're back the better i know he didn't offer a, a definitive return date but you know that's just something which people will use as a stick to beat him with if, if he says oh well mm. they'll be back in in two weeks uh, and then they're not back for another six and then you get the suggestions about oh it's another four show, it's another this it's another that and it's that's just not helpful to anybody um so yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm pl- on the whole i just think i'm pleased that rafini and shackleton are going to likely to be able to play uh junior whether he starts, I mean, I, I'm I'm indifferent either way. I mean, if he starts as sort of a the the left sided wide midfielder or or left wing back uh, in in the three one three three or three three one three three one three formation, um, I, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too fussed. I think if he threw him back into the fold, that'll be okay. But as as you say, I think probably will be Dallas on that side. Yeah. I'd imagine. <laughs>
1: I think it's hard to see, isn't it, given how he treated Phillips most recently in terms yeah. of the, the time he spent out? It's hard to see him throwing Firpo in, especially when, when Dallas can do a job there. And I suppose it's only just dawned on me that there's the possibility that, that even Click might be under threat if he wants to play all three of the wingers again. Um, mm-hmm. I know that the Dan James experiment didn't work too well, playing sort of through the centre. So. Yeah, there's, there's certainly a school of thought that would that would think that maybe he goes with Harrison and James down the flanks and plays Rafinha as that sort of central attacking midfielder
0: off Rodrigo. What, um, Rafinha running at Grant Hanley? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That'd, be, that'd be quite something, wouldn't it? Carroll Road, something no, <laughs> they've never seen before. Um,
1: so we'll, we'll have to see. I think you know, Cliff is... Um, he, He's just i mean biel said it's Saying in the press conference asked about Jack Harrison and he said that Harrison's going through the same problem that everybody's going through and that's that, that basically none of them are consistent enough they're all up and down and, and click is certainly in that in that school as well you know came on on tuesday night did very very little against arsenal to to change the flow of the game so yeah maybe maybe sort of overthinking it and trying to sort of find changes where they don't need to be made but um Either way, there's going to be a, at least a stronger bench. I mean, I mean that's always the upshot, isn't it? Even if players do return and they don't start, they are going to make the bench a lot stronger. So if you've got Firpo and one of James or Harrison on the bench, then um, there's going to be options there, at least for Bielsa. Um, it's amazing the way the stock rises of players that aren't in the side when they're playing badly because they, Ailing and Bamford were in the team for those opening few weeks. And I don't think they were setting the world alight. You know, I think Bamford ha- has his strengths and clearly plays the system better than Rodrigo but it wasn't like he was scoring four and five or something like that. You know, they, they had both had their challenges and were, were a part of a team that had started the season poorly, but it's amazing, isn't it? The way just sort of absence makes the heart grow fonder. And, and all of a sudden we now want those players back because we think that they're single handedly going to change the team's fortunes. Um, yeah. I think you always want the options there at least, even if, um, even if they don't necessarily come in and sort of change the entire scenario for the, for the team, it's just nice for us to have those options and to have, as I've said, options off the bench. Um,
0: I think the thing, the thing that's been missing for, for me is, well, I mean, there's been a few things, but with Bamford, you know, last season I feel like he converted quite a lot of chances which were quite low quality. And the fact that Bielsa was mentioning it today in his press conference, he was saying, yes, we've created fewer dangerous opportunities. But then when you've got Bamford who, you know, can make the most out of out of poor chances being created and, and turn them into goals and we all know how goals can change games in terms of obviously the scoreline being the obvious one but mentality and how you then approach the rest of a fixture, um you know how you set up and how you how how the opponent then then reacts, you know, not having Bamford being able to provide those those goals or those you know th- those shots on target or just just taking a, a shot on in areas where you know the the crowd are screaming thirty six thousand are screaming shoot. And it goes out wide again, and it it just gets squandered. And I think as well with Luke Ayling, you know, we're under no illusions here. You know, he's not he's not a Ballon d'Or nominee, but I tell you what, he's very very useful when it comes to progressing the ball up the pitch. And as good as Jimmy Shackleton has been, you know, he's he's strong in other areas. But with 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 Ayling, we know that he's very very capable of just getting his foot on the ball and just going, you know what, I'm going to dribble through the middle, I'm going to go up the right, I'm going to combine with Rafinha, combine with Dallas, combine with Click, and that just helps the flow of the team in in, in building moves, and, and that sort of thing, so the reliance has been a lot more on, at least I've thought anyway, the reliance has been a lot more on Diego Llorente, sort of playing those disguised passes from sort of the right side of defence, maybe clipping the balls into Jack Harrison, or, or James, or whoever's playing on the left, and when, when that doesn't work once or twice and you keep repeatedly trying it, not only does it obviously sap the confidence, but also it alerts the, the, the opposition to say that, well, actually, they don't have an alternative here. You know, how how yeah. are they trying to build up? And it's a lot more difficult to recover the ball in a 50-50 when it's bouncing around from a, a long diagonal pass compared to when Ailing, Click, Rafinha are all sort of in the same sort of space on the pitch on the right-hand side. And it goes a little bit astray. Then you've got three players who are ready to pounce on it and ready to counter press and ready to yeah. you know really try and just re, you know reclaim possession in high high up the pitch, which is something which Bielsa has mentioned has sort of been lacking so far this season. So they, they, I think it, the absence does make the heart grow fonder, and their absence has definitely highlighted how you know how they're very much you know very integral links in the chain of, of how Leeds play. You talked about Llorente there. I think he's um, he's just continued to
1: sort of come on leaps and bounds, isn't he? He's becoming so yeah. important to the team, and we saw it again on Tuesday night. That that first um, first hour that you had, um, the first half especially, he was very very good, wasn't he? And sort mm. of distribution, poss- poss- yeah, possibly he's the best player on the pitch. He Made interceptions. He mopped up when uh, when drama was in trouble and helped him out, and, and sort of took on a bit of a leadership role. I found, and it's definitely something I'm noticing in his game. He was 28. He's a Spain international. He's got more than enough behind him in terms of credentials and accomplishments in his career to have that confidence on the pitch to be one of the leaders and um you, know, you, you can't predict the future but you're know, 28 you know, he's, he's planning to be here at least for the next few years um he may all want to finish his career in spain like like pablo has done but you, know, you could see him becoming sort of one of the leaders in the side his english is obviously improving massively he did a great mm-hmm. interview with bbc Leeds recently and we, we heard how how well he spoke and how much more settled his family feels now that lockdown is over and they're able to sort of really sample what Leeds' life is like. And, yeah, I just think, I mean, we all know that injuries has been the issue with Diego, but I just think the longer he remains in that side, the more important he seems to be. And he just has that touch of class, doesn't he, that he just looks like a a top-level defender.
0: It's I always think it's like the the Mortal Kombat energy bar, the more games that he plays, the the, <laughs> the, the greener it becomes. So it goes from sort of red to orange to then to green. And it starts <laughs> as soon as it gets, gets up to hundred. percent. It's like you know he, he's playing it at the Spain international level. Mm. and I think he's he's been doing that recently. You know, he's been he's been building that momentum. um and I, I saw a few people, you know, asking the question on Tuesday night, you know, why has he brought your off at sixty minutes? Well, you know, it's probably a pre-planned change, and and he said, Bielsa, Bielsa said as much in his post-match, didn't he? Where he was like, yeah. you know, there, there might have been sort of a loading issue there. We don't want to overstretch him and that sort of thing. So I can see why that was done. But Yurente, I, I I do I do like, and, and in fact, it's it's a small thing, but it, I think it speaks to to the the point that you're making about how he's sort of a leader off the pitch, or he's becoming a leader off the pitch, uh, or is you know that that feeling has been conveyed and. To my mind, I can't remember uh, a, a player who um, who sort of shared on social media that, that they had been vaccinated at Leeds before your entry. Yeah. I remember, uh, I don't know whether it was on his personal or it was on the, the club official Instagram Yeah, I think account. it was his personal. I think you bang on. It was, you know, he was one of the first ones. And I think, yeah. you know, it's it's a small thing, but in the high pressure, highly scrutinised profession that is professional football, yeah. for him to come out and do that and be the first. He's supposed uh, to put
1: his yeah. head with a parapet, isn't he? He's exactly, prepared to yeah. sort of put his head yeah. out there and take and take the hits if they come, because he thinks it's important to get that message out there.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, that speaks to you know how how yeah, I don't know what, what the word is, the, the integrity that he has potentially. Mm. Um so if that can transfer to the pitch, as we've seen in recent weeks, then yeah, we 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 are we're in the money, essentially, aren't we? But um yeah, he's he, he I've been impressed with him. Um and I think it's imp- I think it's important that we discuss uh, Stuart Dallas as well because you wrote yeah. a, a a really impassioned piece uh, yesterday uh, on leeds uk. and if if anybody's listening to this and they haven't checked out what what Baron wrote on the back of Stuart Dallas's comments to BBC Radio Leeds uh, then do go and check that out because I think it's it's important it's a gender setting it's it's something which is you know the the topic of it is is stuart dallas's mental health because mm. um he, he basically discloses that uh he he contracted covid was stuck in a hotel and at the same time uh he lost one of his his best friends um and you know he's he, he basically talks through sort of the, the challenges that that poses and and how you know that those sorts of impacts are you know they, they don't discriminate you can be a professional footballer on x thousands a week and you can still feel that that you know real palpable sense of grief and loss and I think it's really important that that he's come out and said that um, because I think in recent weeks you know not shying away from any of it his performances on the pitch maybe haven't been at the same standard that we've come to expect from Stuart Dallas you know he's he's been that quite comically that just that always seven out of ten very solid wherever you put him and there's been sort of that little drop off and a lot of people have questioned why and, and for him to come out and again put his head above the parapet and say, you know what, this is I was struggling. I I I was going through a really rough time is, you know, it shows the measure of the man. And and mm. I think Baron, you really encapsulated that in, in the piece and, and sort of asked some quite probing questions about the the wider the wider um stance on, on mental health and professional footballers and and that feeling of you know compassionately as that feeling of not, not feeling as though you can't let people down, your fellow professionals down and, and yeah. the, the discussion of compassionate leave. It was a really, really powerful interview,
1: and um, like I've, like Joe said, now, I'd, I'd highly recommend anybody goes goes and finds it on um, on social media, uh, on the internet. You know, BBC Radio Leeds have conducted the interview with uh, is Adam Pope and, and Stuart Dallas, and it's um it's a really, really important. Listen, and he clearly wanted to get it off his chest. You know, he wasn't; it didn't have to be sort of particularly clawed from him. He was he was ready to sort of go on the record with it and explain what had happened. I think all we knew before was that he'd had these personal reasons which had stopped him from playing for Northern Ireland in September and uh, we everybody was left to sort of draw their own conclusions and quite rightly not not pry and not sort of look to find out what those reasons were because obviously they are personal so it's none of our business to be honest but yeah of, of course it, it's, it's apparent to everybody that Dallas hasn't quite been at the same level as he was last season but nobody really has have they so he hasn't it's not like he's stood out particularly because of these reasons which are very specific to him. You know, he is one of many who are not quite at the level of last season. So he didn't quite get that sort of level of scrutiny that he might have otherwise got for sort of dropping off that that high level. And we spoke to Bielsa a few weeks ago and and he sort of added a bit more meat to the bones and sort of said that, you know, you've obviously asked me this question because because we all know that, that Stuart isn't quite at the level he was last year. And He's dealing with various bits and bobs, and and hopefully over time he will will cover that level. And it was important for, for, for Dallas to go on the record with it and explain what had happened. And um, it, it did it did sort of offer up some interesting dynamics. And you know the stuff he was saying, you know, he was saying that you know, in the months to come he might realise that this was the wrong thing to do, which is just, just really concerned me. Sort of the way he would say that, and even now, in, in right in the middle of it, he's looking at it in the way he's dealt with it and thinking, you know maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe I shouldn't have been playing through this. Maybe I should be sort of taking some time away to probably grieve the loss of a, of a close friend and, and have time with his family away from you know, the absolute glaring spotlight of professional football in the Premier League. I mean, it's absolutely relentless and, and totally unforgiving. And I said that in the piece, you know, that, that you know, Leeds Live are one of the many sites that are across all of Leeds United's games and we don't pull any punches with our sort of assessment of players. And Dallas wouldn't want us to, to go any easier on him and wouldn't want us to kind of, you know give him just a, a default seven out of ten every week because because of what he's going through he expects himself to be judged at the same level as everybody else and it was just interesting that we we all just in daily life as well we, we do take for granted what people have got going on in their private lives none mm. of us know what what is going on with people's families and what's going on behind closed doors and all the conversations we have and the expectations we have of of colleagues and of friends and we never can quite really know what's 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 happening so it, it's, it's a life lesson as much as sort of opening the door into a problem within football. And, and Dallas said it himself, you know, it's, it's an issue in football that you don't really get the time to grieve. You know, you are expected to just carry on and crack on because you know, he didn't say it, but my interpretation was they're very, very rich people. They're, they're paid a lot of money to do a job that many of us would do for free. And with that responsibility and that privilege, comes an expectation to roll your sleeves up, get on with it, stiff up a lip, and you're not expected to to be affected by personal human problems. You're expected to be a robot that goes out and performs every week for people that are paying 30, 40 quid to watch you play football for their team. And he said that, you know, he's well aware of the, the great responsibility he feels when he plays for that football club and he expects a high performance of himself. And, and nobody is a bigger critic of, of Stuart Dallas than himself when he knows he's played badly. Um... So I think it was important. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like he was, he was coming out and banging the drum saying, I want to change football. You know, it wasn't that kind of interview. He wasn't saying, he wasn't sort of being all high and mighty about it and saying, this is wrong. This needs to change. We shouldn't have to deal with this. It was just a very honest laid back interview where he just told us what his situation was. and, And it's left for us to kind of pick through the bones of it and to try and make our own assessment and our own analysis of it. And, um yeah, really, really important. And, and I highly recommend people go and listen to it.
0: Yeah, I think it resonated with a lot of people. And I'm, and I'm sure it will because, you know, over the past 18, 24 months or however long, the, you know, the, the current global situation has been, you know, it's 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 something which has affected a lot of people. Um, and I, I mean, one thing I know, one sort of positive that I can take from that is that, you know, Leicester uh, at home on the 7th of November, you know, as soon as Stuart Dallas's name is read out, on that on in the team sheet on the tannoy and 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 when he goes to warm up over over near the um the 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 near side to to the west stand you know the 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 noise is going to be absolutely deafening for him mm. you know the 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 support and I mean that in sort of the fullness of the word support is going to be immense for him and and I hope that 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 he recognises I mean I'm sure he will he's he's you know he's he's been here long enough he understands what it means to be leads he I hope that he recognises that that the entire club you know I mean Liam Cooper came out i mean i think he shared a tweet probably about half an hour after that interview went live and just said you know something along the lines of we're always we've always got you bro and stuff like that and it's nice to see that it's 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 a small thing but it's a club captain and he's making the point of you know what nobody's on their own in this team and i'm sure the fans will make make that clear as well uh on uh next not this saturday coming but but the the one following I
1: think I think on Sunday too. I mean, oh, yeah, we, can talk, we can talk about Norwich in a moment, but I mean, if if the fans are actually able to get to Norwich after, uh, <laughs> after uh, what East Midlands Railway have done to them, um, then those fans that are at Carrara, I'm sure will will give Dallas a a rousing reception. we'll, we'll see that even if it's um, only two or three thousand fans, I'm sure you know, they will make Dallas feel loved because I think the reaction on social media has been has been fantastic. You know, people yeah. have responded in the right way. Um, it would take quite a quite a bold person to react negatively to that publicly, at least, uh, and sort of and sort of play into this this stereotype that the footballer should just get on with it. But thankfully, everybody has been very very supportive. And, and in that same interview, Dallas did say that he had received a lot of nice messages from people and even letters through his door, and that has made a difference for him. Um, but you know, a lot of praise for his family and his and his friends and his teammates and the club itself. I think he feels supported and that they've, they've given him everything that they can to, to help him through what, what's what been a, a very difficult period and when you consider how much football he's played you know, aside from that international break um you know, he should be commended for, for for somehow coming through that and mm. I don't know is commended even the right word am I am I, am I sort of falling foul yeah falling into the trap uh, this, yeah. this, this this trap of saying you know oh yeah well done yeah you, you should have been playing you've done really well to carry and play maybe it should be you know no you, you shouldn't have been playing you know you should have taking care of yourself yeah, a, bit, a bit of self-care um mm. which which again was something that adam drew upon in the interview which which was which was a nice touch but um um should we move on to norwich yeah Norwich. Um, yeah, who are not in a particularly good place at the moment <laughs> bielsa did say that as many managers have said over the years that they're a bit of a wounded animal and that that, play, that teams will multiply their efforts after a thrashing like the 7-0 that they, they suffered at Stamford bridge and I think he let them off the hook a little bit, you know, suggesting that that Ben Gibson's red card was was sort of the main reasons why. I mean, Mm-mm.
0: didn't get that yeah. impression from the <laughs> highlights. Yeah, match of the day was quite scathing, wasn't it? Uh, and I mean, how about the the result if Romelu uh, Lukaku was playing, And Come on, like you know, the, those fantasy football players out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, any team coming off the back of a seven-nil, you know exactly what their team talk is going to be. It's, it's been an inquest, hasn't there? Definitely, yeah, there has to be. And, and we've seen this week uh, their director uh, their director of football, uh, Stuart Webber, has has come out and and sort of you know used words like disgrace and and that sort of thing uh, to 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 respond to the response uh, that that met uh, Norwich's seven-nil defeat at Chelsea, and you know. That kind of shows that, that the entire club has got its back up and is is it, it's it sounds strange but is it's potentially the worst result that that Norwich could have had coming into this game with Leeds because you know you're going to get a reaction and while I, I do recognize I'm saying this other team we've got two points from nine games. you know they're a Premier League team they were good in the championship last season. they've obviously got talented players that's are currently suffering from from a lack of confidence probably, uh, on top of other things. Um, I think there's a there's, there's a gap in sort of the quality of the individual players compared to the rest of the league, but um, you always get that with promoted teams, and it's about putting together uh, as much of a cohesive unit as possible to to be able to compete against the better sides. And Leeds found that last year, uh, didn't they? That you know, the a, a team who were you know punctuated by a lot of Championship players were you know were playing well above their their, their ceilings. So um, I think this weekend. From a Leeds perspective, and we've just discussed Norwich, but from a Leeds perspective, you can't look beyond three points. It just has to be yeah. three points because yeah, then, then you start getting the questions of, you know, are, are Leeds being found out? You know, it's been 10 games, there's been one win. It's the, the facts and the stats are hard to deny then. You know, you, yeah. you're, fighting a, you're fighting a losing battle against the sort of the the perception amongst the rest of the teams in the league and the rest of the supporters in the league, you know, because then it becomes Leeds are then a wounded animal and, you know, teams come into it thinking, well, we have to take points off Leeds because regardless of last year, this year, they're, they're really struggling. Um So I think it has to be three points. I think with Rafinha back with, or likely to be back, Shackleton likely to be back. Uh And, you know, I mean, the, the, the team is man for man. I'd say Leeds is, is, is a team which is good enough to, to beat Norwich.
1: Has to be, yeah. Um, like you say, if, if they drop points on on Sunday, that's a one win in the opening ten games. That's mm. that's more than a quarter of the season. That I mean, that's that's what that equates to four or five wins for an entire campaign. I mean, yeah. that's just that's just not good enough at all. So I'm well aware that just because that the first quarter of the season has gone this way does not then mean that the next three quarters have to go the same way. I'm well aware of that, and that there will be peaks and troughs this season. And I'm sure at some point Leeds will go on a run. Um, or at least I would like to think that they've got that in their locker based on last season. But you're right, you know, the, the players will know, the players have talked about it. You know, I've seen a few of them on social media talking about how big Sunday is. Stuart Dallas talked about it in his in his interview with BBC Leeds. Uh, they're under no illusions that for where they are on the table and the way they've started the season, they can't go to the worst team in the league off the back of a 7-0 thrashing and not think they need to win that game. Yeah. Um, if they want to be you know, a lower mid-table team, they've got to go to places like Norwich and win. That just that just has to happen, especially when they've got Rafinha fit and available. So, yeah, I mean, we, we sort of repeat ourselves week on week at the moment, but they need to go there. They need to win. I'm hoping they're going to play with the back four, but if Norwich are going to play this five-three-two-three, three, I mean, it was a 5 through 2 against, Nor- against Chelsea for obvious reasons. So I think at home, I mean, that, that's the way Norwich are going to look at it, isn't it? Norwich are going to look at this as we're at home to Leeds we are gagging for a win and Leeds yes. is the sort of team that we, we we can beat and should be beating. That's the way they're going to see it. So yeah. I wonder if that's going to be reflected in their formation and whether I know that in the earlier part of the season, it was more like a, a 4-3-3 at times. So I, I do wonder whether it'll either be a 3-5-2 with the wing-backs pushing right on or whether it will go to a 4-3-3, which, which would then trigger a back four for Leeds.
0: Yeah, it it'll have to be one of those formations, which is sort of a hybrid won't It for Leeds, where you know the, we know that Daniel Farkas. But that, that's
1: that's that's difficult to win it, mate. Because if if, well, they it, start, yeah. if they start Pascal, you know Pascal can't shuffle forward because that's where Calvin's going to be. Exactly. Yeah. So it's
0: it, yeah, it, it's one of those where it, You'll have it, to make his it, it, bed and lie in it. Yeah, and he'll just have to to get on with it. Um, and I mean, if if you were going to have to enforce a hybrid formation against any team in the league, it would be the one who are bottom. I do think it'll make for an interesting game because as you're saying, while while we're thinking well, this has to be three points for Leeds, Norwich are also thinking yeah. this has to be three points for us because... It could be really open, couldn't it? If if Norwich are thinking if we don't beat Leeds, a team who are very much lacking in confidence, they're lacking exactly. their star players, who are, gonna yeah. who, who are we going to beat? Who are we going to beat? You know, yeah. it's it, it, that is the, the the stance that they're probably going to take as well. It's the way that Leeds saw the Watford game, wasn't it? You went yeah.
1: Watford came to Ireland Road, you looked at that and thought, okay, if Leeds are going to win this season that's who they have to be so if if Norwich and Daniel Farker believe they're going to stay up this season Leeds at home has to be have a big circle around it on the calendar saying that is a match we need to go and win because if we don't then what hope have we got you know what hope have we got how can I convince my players we're going to stay up if we can't go and beat fourth bottom Leeds that's the way they're going to see it so I would like to think that's going to play into Leeds' hands because we know that Leeds can struggle at times against deep blocks Mm-hmm. So if, if Norwich are going to come out and, and Max Ahrens and Janoulis are going to push up down the flanks and create space, I, I, I don't mind the idea of Rafinha okay. and Daniel James running at Grant Hanley and whoever's going to replace Ben Gibson at the back. Um, that does fill me with hope.
0: And Tim Krull, of course. I think sometimes that... Uh, you We've know, got you... a soft spot for Tim Krull, haven't we? That's we do a, have a soft spot for a, Tim Krull. A seasoned pro... Yeah, uh, and he's also part of the name of my my fantasy football team, um, which uh, I'm not, I'm not going to release, uh, but um, yeah, it's it's not, it's better than Berens, put it that way. Um, so uh, <laughs> it, we do have a little soft spot for Tim Crow, but for, for all intents and purposes, I do hope that he's picking the ball out of his net this this weekend more than a few times, um, because it's it, it, just, has to, it just has to be three points. I just, I yeah, one win in ten would be sort of, I don't want to start using sort of. It's a hard sell, isn't it? It is a hard sell. I don't want to start using words which are sort of, uh, you know, um, apocalyptic or you know that mm. sort of thing. But what, one win in ten after the sort of un- one defeat in eleven to end the the twenty 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 one campaign would you know be so polarized and would would then say, well, surely this isn't just the absence of a few players. Um, mm. But yeah, um, I, I'm I'm optimistic. I think. It could it could prove to be the line in the sand. I'm hoping but, that it will be.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll do predictions in just a quick moment, but I, I I suppose the wider narrative is that the way they finished against Wolves did kind of feel like a bit of a turning point in the season. Yeah. But then
0: there's been a few of those, hasn't
1: there? Yeah, but then the Arsenal game just kind of sucked the joy out of it again, didn't it? They just seemed they're they're just stuck in this cycle of sort of being boosted and inspired, and then it's just flat disappointment. And we kind of just have to <coughs> excuse me, comp- uh, compartmentalize. The Arsenal game, so it's a cup game. It didn't matter. That's not part of the wider narrative. The, the players didn't play that game. It's not going to affect their psyche.
0: <laughs> they didn't really um, care, you know. Oh, it's, it's a free hit. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we've got we've got to hope that they do sort of carry that that bit of momentum they have from the Wolves game into this. Um, but what are your uh, what are your predictions then? For, predictions. For
0: uh, I haven't predicted a win in recent weeks, but I am this week, and I'm going for an entertaining one. Uh, I'm going for a 3-2 win for Leeds. Oh. Yeah, yeah, an absolute cracker. Uh, Poor old ding- Melier,
1: you can't buy a ding <laughs> king, can
0: <you? laughs> A ding-dong battle, uh, I think, is is what football manager players might call it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I, I, I do Who's think... Who's going to score for Norwich,
1: though? I mean, I just, they, they've, scored, they've scored two goals all season. They are... I, 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 home, I do I mean. think they will
0: score, though. I, I I do think they'll score, because... Even those space. I think there'll be space because we know the leads have to go for it yeah. leads have to go from 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 minute one there can't be any of this you know se- it, it won't be the same game as the wolves game because wolves obviously took the lead early on and then sat back into sat a back. into a back five and also even if Norwich try to do that I don't think their structure's as good as wolves no. is so no you know way. they'll they'll find themselves pegged back early on um if they do go ahead so i I do think there'll be goals for that reason um I think we- <sighs> We've seen so often this season where Leeds just haven't converted the chances that you'd expect them to. It has to end at some point. And you've got to say it, the team who are currently letting in the most chances, currently letting in the most goals, is the team where you'd think, oh, well, you know what, Leeds will get a lucky one. Or, or, you know, they'll just get that extra half yard that they haven't Mm -hmm. got against other teams to just take a touch, put your foot on the ball, you know, size it up, set yourself, and 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 score. So, I I do think it'll be a an interesting game. Um, I do, I don't think it'll be sort of a Leeds go three nil up and then Norwich get two late goals. I don't think I don't see that happening. I also don't see if Norwich go two nil up, it then being a three two lead. So, I do think it'll be a Norwich score, lead score, lead score, Norwich score type type fixture, which is definitely going to make for, for good for the heart rate. Viewing. Yeah, fantastic for the heart rate. Yeah. Go right, on then. Well, give, gonna, give me yours.
1: I'm, yeah, I'm going to go two-one leads. I think I think Leeds okay. should have enough about them to do it. Um, of course, being optimistic because, as we have said, this is a game that they really do need to win. It, it's hard to find any reasons why Norwich will cause them any problems because of how they started this season. And there is a degree of Leeds bias the way we see see things. And um, yeah, Rafinha being in there is just so so important. So yeah,
0: I'm going to go. I'm going to go two-one leads and just
1: hope for the best. Are you going for a um, Rafinha
0: goal then to get his fourth of the season?
1: Well, he's in my FBL team, so I hope so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he yeah. stayed in mine as well. I've also got yeah, Summerville in his so. insurance, so uh, oh, if, that's, if, that, that's
1: if, a nice little call. Yeah,
0: if if, if small town boy Jimmy Somerville comes on, then uh, that'll be a, that'll be a nice little uh, little present for me as well off the bench. I, I do wonder if, if
1: Gelhart gets another go. Obviously, um, it'll be it'll be. It's been some it's time now since uh, since he came on at Wolves, and and of course. As Bielsa said again today that the Arsenal game was so different that he wasn't quite able to have the same influence uh, when he came off from the bench because the team weren't quite dominating as they were at Ellen Road. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's an interesting dynamic there between him and Tyler Roberts. Mm. Clearly, they're, they're in direct competition now to sort of be that impact sub in the final third. So it'll be interesting to see which one Bielsa goes to first if he does need to make a change. Um, but we'll see, mm-hmm. won't we? Yeah. Um, so, we'll have live coverage on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to be at, Ra- at Carrow Road. Joe's on a jolly, so he's having the weekend off. Um, like I'll be close, I'll be close
0: by. I'll be close by.
1: So, um, yeah, if you, if you can't watch it on TV or if you, if you can't listen to it, if you're not in the right area of the country to listen to, to BBC Leeds, then you can follow the live blog. Um, as I say, I'll be at Carrow Road. And that'll be on Leeds live.co.uk. And then we'll have the usual player ratings and uh, Bielsa's press conference afterwards. Um, but for now, Joe, I think we'll wrap it up, won't we?
0: Yeah, I think that's been a good, productive chat. A good little sort of weekly, uh, weekly roundup of everything that's been happening in the world of Leeds. And um, yeah, hopefully next time where we we discuss what's been happening on uh, on this podcast, uh, we'll be we'll be celebrating another win.
1: We'll see you next time, folks.